on you and tried to put you on the ground he said I was cast down but I'm not destroyed what he was trying to tell somebody is that it doesn't matter what you're going through you can win if you don't give up you can have victory if you stay in the fight you can I wish I had about 300 Radical believers in the building. 
around trying to talk to him and he knew they were going to get in trouble so he was doing his best to ignore his friend teacher kept turning around telling both of them I said stop it but teacher it's it I said stop it the other little boy kept picking until finally the teacher turned around and told him I said stop it now get over here and sit in the corner wasn't even his fault little boy got up from his desk sat in the corner and after just a few moments a big old grin started spreading across his face and the teacher looked over and said what is he smiling about the grin kept getting bigger pretty soon he started <clears throat> chuckling under his breath the teacher said he's supposed to be in trouble finally she couldn't take it anymore she said, boy, you're supposed to be in trouble in the corner. What are you smiling about? He said, because. He said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm standing up, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. That's the kind of saints God needs in the building. That'll look hell in the face and say you might have knocked me down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. And devil, there's nothing you can do about it. This joy that I have, you didn't give it to me. And you can't take it away. I wish somebody would one more time. Throw your hands in the air. Lift up your voice and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. You might be down, but you got to keep getting back up. Brother Leo, you might have to sit in that chair for a couple weeks, uh, but the devil knows. Uh, you just wait till I get up out of this chair. Uh, you just wait till I stand up out of this. I wish somebody would make the devil pay uh, in this place this morning uh, for every restless night. Uh, for every worry you had to deal with, uh, for every day that fear uh, tried to grip your heart, uh, devil, I'm coming back. Uh, hey! Hey! I'm not the preacher this morning, but it's in the place. Some of us need a fresh revelation. I know the old saying says, what doesn't kill you only makes you. How many of you know the Bible told us that before people did? In one place, the Bible says the more that God's people were afflicted, the more they grew. About five of y'all got that this morning. Uh, 
that means the greater the affliction uh, that must mean God's got big plans for me uh, the greater the, re the resistance uh, the stronger I'm going to get uh, the greater the opposition uh, the greater my potential is uh, somebody ought to throw your hand in this Somebody shout, bring it on. Bring it on, bring it on. I'm just going to get stronger from this. I'm just going to get wiser from this. Come on, in, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get peace out of this. I'm going to get some joy out of this. You excited to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? Help me clap your hands one more time and welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Let's give a great ovation to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord today. You can be seated again on behalf of this church. I want to say a great big welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord this morning. We are so honored that you are here with us worshiping the Lord together. And we have a little understanding in this church that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. So if you've been here longer than five minutes, we don't consider you a guest. You're just at home here at the Rock Church today. Amen, church. Would you turn around and tell as many people as you can reach around you, welcome home this morning. Come on, tell them, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. I'm excited to be home today. Amen. I'm so grateful to be home and I, I am so thankful this past week while I was out of uh, the country. Uh, I understand that we had several get the Holy Ghost here. We had some that were baptized in Jesus' name this week. Breakthroughs and miracles and God doing amazing things. How many of you are thankful today? Amen. How many of you have been blessed by the ministry of Evangelist White in this house? Woo! Amen. We're thankful he's here this morning. He's going to be back in the pulpit with us uh, on Tuesday night. And uh, amen. We're looking forward to continuing in the great move of God that's happening all over this house today. And uh, what a privilege and an honor it is to have back with us, they are no strangers to this house, Evangelist and Sister Irving and their amazing family. Would you help me give them a great big welcome back? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome them back to the Rock Church this morning. Amen. We're so thankful for everything that the Lord is doing. And uh, we appreciate the way that God is using uh, this family across our movement. And uh, several months back, uh, I spoke to Brother Irving and we had put this weekend on the calendar. And uh, even though we are in the middle of revival, uh, I felt that it was important to just uh, hold on to that uh, divine appointment and uh, for them to be here with us this weekend. How many of you came ready for God to do something great in this house? 
I want us to stand to our feet all over this sanctuary. What an incredible move of God has already taken place in this house. But I just got a feeling that God is just getting started in this place. And I don't know what you came here needing from God, but I believe God is about to answer your questions. I believe God is about to put his hand upon you. Is there anybody with great expectation in your spirit this morning? One more time, would you put your hands together and give God a great big praise all over this house? Come on, uh, lift up your voice uh, as the evangelist comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us this morning. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Is anybody glad to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? You ought to give God praise. You ought to magnify Him. Praise God. Praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be. Praise God, man. We can be so many different places on a Sunday morning. There's no place I'd rather be anytime but in the house of the Lord. Is anybody thankful to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Turn to your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. While you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be in this house again. It's been a little while since we've been here, but the Rock Church is going to continue to be the Rock Church. Amen. Every time we come, there's familiar faces, but there's also new people all over the sanctuary. And I'm so glad to be in God's house and see what God's doing in this city. I give honor to your leadership. Anybody thankful for the bishop of this house and his wife? Amen. And their family, their expanding family. And uh, they are growing in every way. People are getting married. People are having babies. God's been doing good stuff around here. Amen. I give honor to your evangelist, Brother White. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. I told my wife, I said, they're already in revival, so if I get in trouble, I'm just going to toss him the mic, and we're going to keep rocking, and we're going to have church. Amen. Amen. Glad to hear the reports of what God's doing. I came to, to preach the word of God to somebody in this house. I feel like I got a word for somebody this morning. Anybody excited about the word of the Lord? Amen. Give honor to my family. Glad they're here. Let's get right into the word this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 4. We'll read one verse of scripture here, verse 4. Then we'll skip over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. When you got it, say amen. If you need it, say wait on me. Amen. The Bible says, and Jonathan Saul's son had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. If you'll skip over with me, 2 Samuel chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Bible said, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when he had called him unto David, the king said unto him, art thou Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. And the king said, is there 
uh, not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show the kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all of the land of Saul thy father. And then he says these words, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. I don't know what prompted you to come to the house of the Lord today. I don't know how you made your way here. I don't know how you heard about the house of God. But today in this house, I want to offer somebody an invitation to the king's table. An invitation to the king's table. If you'll put your Bibles down, let's pray all over this house. Mighty God, we love you. We, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for your loving kindness. Come on, somebody lift up your voice right now. Help me pray. God, we need you in this house, God. We need a move, oh God, in the sanctuary. God, help us, oh God. Anoint my lips of clay, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight. Jesus, you're my strength and my redeemer. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands all over this house one more time as loud as you can. may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Saul and Jonathan went to battle at Jezreel and Israel lost the battle and as Saul and his three sons began to flee, the Bible says that the Philistines followed hard after them and the three sons of Saul were killed and the Bible says that Saul was hit by the archers and was sore wounded and Saul, he tells his armor bearer, he says, I want you to take my sword and I want you to kill me so the Philistines won't kill me and his servant, he didn't touch him. He said, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to kill you and so the Bible says that Saul grabbed his own sword and fell on his own sword and went his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead he did the same thing and Saul is dead and Jonathan is dead and the two brothers are dead and Saul's armor bearer is dead and the Bible says on the next day that the Philistines came to strip the slain in that time they would go back and plunder or steal they would take all of the weaponry and all of the valuables of the deceased and they would take them into their care and the Bible says that they found the bodies of Saul and his three sons in Mount Geboa. And some scholars would say that the victory was so complete that no Israelite even dared to go and try to rescue the bodies of Saul and his three sons. The Bible says that they cut off Saul's head and they stripped off his armor and sent it into the land of the Philistines. And there they would publish it in the house of their idols and they fastened Saul's body to the wall. What a tragic situation. What a mess. The 
the first king of Israel, a man that stood head and shoulders above all of the people, a man that was a man of God, a man that was chosen by God. Now his body hangs fastened on the wall of his enemies. Can I tell you today that I know you may be great in the house of God right now. You may have done some exploits in the house. You may have sung your best solo. You may have preached a couple sermons. You may have done something great for God. Can I tell you today that it doesn't matter how you start, but it matters how you finish. You got to make it all the way to the end. You got to make my Saul, a man that was chosen by God, found himself in a situation that didn't add up as he lost his way somewhere along the line and now his body laid hate hung fastened to the wall of his adversary. Can I tell you today that it's not the will of God that your body hang on the wall of your enemy. Can I tell you today that it is the will of God for you to walk in your purpose, for you to walk in your calling, for you to walk in victory, for you to walk in everything that God has called you to. It's an old sermon that a man preached and his title was the trophies of hell. And Saul is hanging on the enemy's wall, perhaps a trophy of hell. Can I tell a young person in the house of the Lord that the enemy is looking for you. The enemy is trying to wreck your life. The enemy wants to hail you as a trophy of hell. But I come to tell somebody today that you got to stand up and you got to link up with God and you got to make it all the way through. Don't stop short of the blessing of God. Don't stop short of the calling of God. Don't ever stop short of what God has called you to do. So now Saul finds himself fastened to the wall of his enemy. The Bible says that when the Israelites heard that the men of Israel fled and their king was dead, they too began to forsake their cities where they dwelt and they fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in their cities. And the Bible says that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth and he was five years old. And when they heard the news of the death of Saul and Jonathan, they too began to flee because the enemy was on his way. And in the pursuit as they so desperately tried to get out of the city, as they were trying to run away of the, from the adversary who was coming to take over their cities somewhere along the way the nurse that took the boy Mephibosheth up she was trying to get out of the city she was trying to move out of the place that they were and get to a place of safety and somewhere along the line she stumbled somewhere along the line she lost her footing somewhere along the line she made a misstep Bible says that she drops Mephibosheth and he fell down and he was lame in both of his feet. He was, they were trying to make their way out of the city. They were trying to get away from the place that they dwelt because the enemy was on the way and she was carrying precious things in her hand and she began to flee and now she's dropped the king's son. In their pursuit, Mephibosheth was dropped and now he's lame in both of his feet. The Bible tells us that he falls down. 
What a devastating story. The man Mephibosheth wasn't born this way. He was dropped. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't a, a, a cause of his own doing. It was something that happened to him. Can I tell you that as you walk through this thing called life and as you walk on this road called life, that life will happen to you and things beyond your control will happen to you and you will find yourself dropped and lame in both of your feet like the man Mephibosheth. Can I preach to somebody in the house today that know what it is to be dropped somebody in the house today that know what it is to be in a situation that doesn't add up because it's not even your fault but Fibosheth was dropped and he was lame in both of his feet there will be times in your life that you'll walk this thing called life and on this road it'll get kind of dark and and you'll lose your footing and you'll get dropped and you'll You'll be lame in both of your feet. And, and the Bible kinds of mentions this story in passing. And the light turns now to the man David as he begins to reign. And, and David begins to wreak havoc on the kingdom. After the reign of Saul, there was a lot that was lost and the enemy was in charge. And David would regain control over the enemies of God. He started taking back all the territory that the enemy had stolen from the people of God. Let me stop for just a minute and let you know that sometimes you got to stop and take inventory and make sure you didn't lose the things that God has given you. Sometimes you got to go back to the enemy's camp and you got to take everything that the enemy stole from you. David said, I know Saul just let it go. I know he just let it fall, but not on my watch. I'm taking back everything that the enemy stole. I'm going to... Can I tell somebody today that the enemy has took your mind and he's been running amok in your mind. Today is the day that you go and get your mind back. Today is the day that you go and get your family back. Today is the day that you go and get everything that the enemy stole from you. David said, not on my watch. He said, Saul lost a lot of the territory and the ground that belonged to the house of God, that belonged to the people of God. But there's got to be a David on a Sunday morning that begins to rise up and say, no, 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 no. That belongs to me. That thing that God gave, it belongs to me. I'm going and taking everything back. My kids, they learn a word pretty quick. And your kids probably learned the same word real early in their development. It's the word mine. They may not know any other words, but they know the word mine. Don't touch that. That's mine. Don't mess with that. That's mine. They can be in a room full of toys and full of people, but they're able to identify which toy is theirs. So nobody better touch it because it's mine. Sometimes the people of God need to get an attitude just like that. Don't touch my family. That's mine. Don't touch my mind. That's mine. Don't touch my children. That's mine. God gave it to me. And I wish somebody would get an attitude by what God said was yours. I come to preach in the house today and let you know that it's yours. If God gave it to you, then you got to fight and you got to stand and you got to defend what God said was yours. But the enemy is looking for people that will just flee. And that'll just run away when opposition comes your way. 
He's looking for people that he can just push on a little bit and there's no fight back. He's looking for people that he can say, you know what? They have that because God told them it's theirs, but I'm not, I'm just going to go and take it from them. No, 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 no. Not on a Sunday morning. I wish I had an apostolic that'll rise up with something in your spirit today and get an attitude of mind in your spirit that says you can't have my family. You can't have my money. You can't have my victory. It's mine. Is there any? Anybody in the house that's willing to fight for it today? David started taking back territory. He said, they lost this and they lost that, but I'm going to take everything that was stolen. I'm going to take it back. You can't be comfortable. Hear me today. You can't get comfortable with letting the enemy come into your field and take what belongs to you. When you get comfortable. You got to get something that rises up in your spirit. When you see that ugly Paul step foot on your property and step foot on your land, you got to say, not today, Satan. You ain't taking my heart. You're not taking my mind. You're not taking my purity. It belongs to me. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. With David on the throne, Israel was in good hands. There was really no threat to David's kingdom, feet after feet, and victory after victory. And it begins to stack up for the man David. The Bible says that Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his tens of thousands. And David, in chapter 8, literally slew 22,000 men at one time. And in the same chapter, it begins to chronicle the victories of David. It's almost like a baseball card. And you turn over the back and you see the stats. It's almost like God was trying to let everybody know what type of man David was. David in another place, he literally slew 18,000 men in the same chapter. David was setting up his throne. 40,000 men in one chapter. He's wreaking havoc. He's letting everybody know he's in charge as he would take the gold, the brass, and the silver. His kingdom was established and life was good. David was living in the overflow. And David, as he's looking around, thinking about everything that he was able to gain in the kingdom. As he's looking around, sitting on the throne and looking at all of his riches and everything that he had. He said, life is looking good right now. And then he says these words. He said, is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness for Jonathan's sake? You got to understand Saul had a big family. There was people that was all around Saul. There was people that was all around the kingdom at that time. But you got to understand David is looking out as he spans the territory and as he spans the earth. And he can't find one that is a power the house of Saul. Can I preach to a mama and a daddy today? I know you're living for God and you're doing your very best, but don't you walk away from the house of God. Your children are watching you. Don't you walk away from the kingdom of God. Your family's depending on you. Don't you walk away today. You can lose it all at one time. This is a great kingdom, the kingdom of Saul. And David looks around and he can't find anybody said is there not one that is left of the house of Saul and David respected Saul because of the anointing on his life 
David loved Jonathan that was probably not a closer friend he was like a brother to David and David said is there anybody left Somebody remember the man by the name of Ziba? Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Somebody remember the man named Ziba that was a servant of Saul. And they called for him and David asked him, is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba replied, yes, Jonathan has a son which is lame on his feet. He didn't even give him a name. He identified him by his brokenness. Isn't that how it is sometimes? That all we can see when we look out and when we go and when we see people out in the street and in the church. That all we can see is their brokenness and all we can see is their flaw and all we can see is the part of them that is messed up. That's how it is. We typically identify what's wrong with everybody. But I thank God that we serve a God that doesn't, my God, that looks beyond my faults and he sees every single need. I thank God that I serve a God that's not just looking at my broken that's not just looking at my flaws but that sees all of the beauty of what I can become can I tell you today that there's a God in this house I know you're broken I know you're messed up but God sees beyond all of that he said yeah he has a son but he's lame on both of his feet almost to say you may not want him he's broken He's lame in both of his feet. He's maimed. He doesn't have anything to offer you. And David said, I'm going to blow your mind. He said, I want you to go get him. And I can see the men as they pull up to the house and they knock on that door. Mephibosheth sitting in a back room somewhere because in that time, if you had a malady in your body, people didn't want to deal with you. That's why you find people by the pool and by the gate because nobody wanted to deal with you. And Mephibosheth was in this back room I'm preaching to somebody on a Sunday morning. Mephibosheth is in this back room. He's tucked away. He probably doesn't see much sunlight in that time because it took a lot to get him to a place where he can go outside and ask. He sits back in this room. These men come to the door. And he opens that door and they say, we're looking for Mephibosheth. He probably didn't get many visitors. He probably didn't get many people coming to see about him. And they said, the king wants to see you. And Mephibosheth, as he's probably trembling because he doesn't know what's about to happen. Mephibosheth, as he's got so many things going through his mind, he goes outside and he sees the men that were going to take him to the palace. And he's making his way to the palace. And he's broken and he's lame. And it probably takes men to carry him to the palace. He probably had a couple men on each side because he was lame in both of his feet but he's making his way to the palace he's making his way to the king's house and he gets to the palace bible says that he feared exceedingly and he bowed down he probably was afraid because in that day 
anybody that was a part of the, the former king's uh, legacy. They could be contenders for the throne. And so the next incoming king would usually kill the family of the former king. So there wouldn't be anybody that would try to take the throne. And this man is standing in front of him as he falls down on the floor. And he does reverence to the man David thinking that this is going to be the last day of my life. I don't know why he would invite somebody like me to the king's house. David said, don't be afraid. He said, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. The Bible says that he bows himself, and he says, he says, what is this, that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I am? What happens with people is everybody else identifies them by their brokenness and by their malady and by the infirmity that's in their body, that they hear it so long, that that's all they know about themselves is I'm broken. I'm busted and disgusted. Am I preaching to anybody today in the house that knows what it is to be broken, that knows what it is to be scarred, that knows what it is to be maimed and lame in both of your feet? He said, who am I? He too saw himself and identified himself by his brokenness after all it's all he's ever known and no doubt life has broken him and situation has broken him and the failure of others has him in the condition that he's in right now and life up to this point has been defined by his circumstance he was a boy at the time of his fall but now he's there in front of David a full grown man and every single day hear me today every single day as he wakes up in the morning and he tries to climb out of the bed he's reminded you're broken you're scarred you're messed up you can't even walk he's reminded of the malady that's in his body am I preaching to anybody in this house that knows what it is to be broken that knows what it is to be scarred that knows what it is to wake up every day and think to myself it's always gonna be this way stands there a broken man with nothing to offer the kingdom and nothing to offer the king and David like God looks beyond his faults and he sees every single need. Can I tell you today that everybody under the sound of my voice in this house is broken and is in desperate need of a savior. Can I tell somebody today, don't you ever forget today. Don't get it twisted. I know you woke up this morning and you put on your night nice suit and your night dress and you covered up all of the scars and you covered up all of the tattoos. But I come to tell you today that I thank God that we still got a savior because I needed him. I thank God that we still got a master because I needed him. I thank God that we still got somebody that'll bring me to the king's table. Praise God. David reiterates and tells him over and over again, I want you to eat at my table. 
He said, I want you to be as one of my sons. He said, look, when you come to my table, when you come to my house, he said, we're going to have a seat for you. You're not going to have to squeeze in and we pull a seat from another table. But can I tell you today, baby, when you come to the king's table, we've got a seat already for you. The master has a seat for you. I thank God when I came to the house of God that I didn't have to just try to fit in and try to make a space and sit on one side of this chair and another side on this chair but I thank God when I came to the king's table that there was a seat there for me can I tell you today there's a seat in the house today for you at the king's table there's a seat in the house today for you at the king's table broken by life broken by people broken by situation I've come to remind somebody in this house about the king's table. I come to remind you about that time when you so desperately needed an invitation to the king's table. I come to talk to somebody in the house today that you forgot what it was the first time you pulled up to the king's table. You've been living for God for a little while and you're seating, sitting on your seat of salvation and life is good right now. But don't you ever forget if it wasn't for the king's table. Don't you ever forget if it wasn't for the king's table don't you ever forget today that I'm thankful for the king's table and an invitation is a request to come and attempt to get another person to join you at a specific event and David is sitting on his throne and he says who can I show the goodness of God to whose life can I change today I want to do something that's going to last I want to show kindness in a way that's going to change somebody's life forever he said I know what I can do I know how I can affect change he said let me bring somebody from their world let me bring somebody from that broken situation let me bring somebody from their broken life and let me offer somebody an invitation to the king's table I come to preach to somebody in this house on a Sunday morning that it's not by happenstance that you've come today but God has ordained this moment to give you an invitation to the king's table God wants you to sit at his table God wants you to come and dine the table is spread today you got to understand you got to understand the king's table the king's table is not just somewhere that we put decor and plates and all of our nicest china and we put in our dining room no the king's table is not just a place where we sit and we get one meal the king's table is not just a place where we display in our living rooms and in our kitchens and in our houses but the king's table means so much more can I tell you today that when you find the king's table you find family I'm a, I'm a, I'm a priest here this morning when you find the king's table, you find a sense of community. When you find the king's table, you find relationship. When you find the king's table, you may be a person that's out here and you know you're just out here and you feel like you're all by yourself and you're walking in this big wide world and there's nobody else with you and you feel like you're walking alone. Can I tell you today, that's why you got to come to the king's table because when you find the king's table, you may never had a family before. You may never know what it's like to be a part of a community before, but that's why the church is here. The church is here 
here to let you know you may not have family, but we've got a family here. You may not have a community, but we've got a community here. You may not have relationship, but there's a relationship that you can gain today. I'm preaching to people that you feel broken and you feel like you don't have anything to offer and you feel like you don't have anything to give. And when you come to the house of God, you find the king's table. And when you find the king's table, the king will give you family. Can I tell you today, you might think this is simple preaching, but I'm preaching to people in the sanctuary that don't know what it is to have a family. I'm preaching to people in the sanctuary that know what it is to walk out in this life all by themselves and wonder where is my friends and where is my family. But I thank God, I thank God today for an invitation to the king's table because when you find the king's table you find everything that you need you find community you find family you find everything that you need today. when you find the king's table you find provision anybody know what it is to get invited to a party and not bring anything that person in the house where they invite you to the party and you go to the party but you ain't bringing nothing and you get to a place where you just showing up to the party but you ain't bringing that to the party and everybody's looking like when are you going to bring something to the party but don't forget when you came to the king table you didn't have anything to bring as well but we serve a God can I preach to you today we serve a God that lets you come to the party and makes provision for you and you're able to come in as you are and God will give you everything that you need we serve a God that's in this house right now that's going to give you everything that you need provision is at the king's table everything that you need is here today when you find the king's table, you find a place of celebration. That's why it's always a party in here. That's why everybody's so loud. That's why you see people running around. When you find the king's table, you're always going to find a celebration. Can I tell you about a man that we call the prodigal son? The prodigal son left out of his daddy's house. He left the king's table. And when he left the king's table, he was out in the world. And he lost all of his money. And there was a drought in the land. And somewhere along the line, he came to himself. And he thought to himself, if I could just make it back to the king's table, if I could just get back to the house, if I could just get back to my daddy's house, if I could just make my way back to the king's table, and he gets to the king and he says, you know what, make me as one of your higher servants, I don't have anything to offer. But when you find the king's table... You always find a celebration. He said, go out, kill the fatted calf. He said, get the best robe and put it on my son. My son, which was lost, now he's found. Can I tell you today that if you're in the house of God right now and you've been out living in the world, living any type of way, that you can make your way to the king's table. And we're not going to say, what were you thinking? What were you doing? What kind of life were you living? But we're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to have a celebration. Do I got a saint that will be a witness in the house today that there's going to be a party when you get to the house of God. When you find the king's table, 
You find the fruits of the Spirit. You find love, unconditional love. You find joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And you find peace that passes all understanding. Can I tell you today that it may not be your holiness that draws people to the house of God? I love holiness from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. But sometimes when people look at you and the world is full of chaos, they're just looking for somebody that has peace on their life, that has joy, that's radiating off of them. They're looking for somebody that has love that is unconditional. They're looking for somebody that can... They see you out in the streets and they ask the question, how can you have peace in times like these? The world is running amok. It's going crazy out in the world. But we see apostolics and sir, you always have a smile on your face. Don't you understand what's going on out in this world? Don't you understand all of the calamity and all of the things that's happening in our city? Can I tell you the thing that may draw them to the house of the Lord is this joy unspeakable and full of glory that's radiating off of an apostolic. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Can I tell you today that people won't even be be able to understand how you have peace in times like these that's why you can have somebody hear me today you can have somebody come from a place of chaos all they've known is chaos and you invite them to your house and they come and sit down at your table and it's for the first time they find a place of peace can I tell you they probably never felt that before. And they're sitting down in a peaceful atmosphere. And I'm telling you, there's something that the Holy Ghost is doing in that moment. You might think, man, I need to be, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. I need to be hammering them about this and the word. No, sir, no, ma'am. Just let the peace of God that passes all understanding radiate off of your life and into their life. And you can watch God do the work. But when you find people... And all they've known is chaos. And they come into a peaceful atmosphere. There's a saying and it goes like this. It says you ain't got to go home. But you got to get out of here. How many heard that before? Praise God. How many been that person they told that to you before? But what happened is when you find somebody that's been living in chaos. And they find a place of peace. They're not going to want to leave. Hear me today. This is what David said. He said, thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. That word continually in the Hebrew is talmid. It means literally to stretch. That word continually, he said, you're going to eat bread at my table continually. He said, you know what we're going to do? You're going to come into my house and you're going to sit at the king's table and you don't even have to leave. But what we're going to do for you, Mephibosheth, what we're going to do for you, broken saint of God, what we're going to do for you, the person that feels like you don't have a place of peace, is we're going to stretch this thing out a little bit. You don't have to just leave, but you can stay for a little while. We're going to continue to stretch it out. Say you don't even got to go home, but you're going to eat bread at my table continually. 
I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that it wasn't just a one-time deal that I can come in the house of God and I can sit down and get a hot meal for the night. But God operates like this. He said, I want you to come and eat bread at my table, but we're going to stretch this thing out and it's going to be all the days of your life. I come to preach to a Mephibosheth in the room right now and let you know that we're going to make it long. We're going to stretch this thing out that you don't even have to go home when you find the king's table. We're not kicking you out. We're not telling you to go home, but you can stay here all the days of your life. I thank God for the king's table today. It was the king's table with my broken family of five. My daddy was an alcoholic. He didn't know up from down. He didn't know left from right. And he was trying to be a father. He was trying to be a husband. He was trying to do everything that he could just to keep his head above the water. And I remember our little wrecked life, our broken life. I remember gunshots going over my head as a kid. I remember seeing drug deals right outside of my apartment front door. I remember watching bad men walk up and down the street all night. I know what it is to live in a place of chaos, but I thank God, I thank God on a Sunday morning that somebody gave us an invitation to the king's table. I thank God that somebody opened the door and they said, come on in. The table is spread. Come on in. You can come and dine with us. And like Mephibosheth, as we stumbled our way into the house of God, as we made our way in, I thank God that when we saw the table spread, I thank God that somebody made room for the Irvin party of five as we begin to sit down at the king's table and this preacher standing in front of you today because somebody gave us an invitation to the king's table. I wonder if I got any broken people in the house of God that know what I'm talking about on a Sunday morning that you didn't have the answers for your life, that you didn't have anything to do except for follow God and go to the house of God and accept the invitation to the king's table. I'm preaching to somebody on a Sunday morning to let you know that God's called you today. God's called you to the king's table. God wants you to come and dine. Everything that you need is here at the king's table. I wonder, do I got about two or three on a Sunday morning that remembers what it is the first time you pulled up to the king's table. I wonder if I got somebody in the house that knew you didn't have a prayer. You didn't have a chance except you found the king's table. The king's table is a place of restoration. It's so easy and obvious for us to be able to see a physical flaw. We can look at you and see that your leg is broken. We can look at you and see that you're lame in both of your feet. But what happens with the king's table is there is a leveling effect of the cross. That when everybody stands at the cross, we're all broken and we're all flawed. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so when we pull up to the king's table, I thank God for this. That when Mephibosheth put his legs underneath the king's table, he was just like you. And he was 
just like me. He was made whole because when you find the king's table, you find resurrection, restoration. You find everything that you need. You find a God that's able to restore. You find a God that's able to set you free. You find a God today. But it was the king's table that we so desperately needed. We thought we had it all together. We thought we had some answers. But it wasn't until we found the king's table. The woman from Canaan, she goes to Jesus. And when she finds Jesus, she said, my daughter is vexed with the devil. And Jesus didn't even say a word to her. It wasn't her time. She was a Gentile. She was outside of the fold. And the disciples say, you know what? Cast her away. She doesn't even belong here. How did she make it into the king's house? Bible says that she began to worship and she said please help me and he said it's not me that I shall give the children's bread to dogs he called this lady a dog but it matters how you respond so this lady said that's true I'm a dog she said but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table she realized that all I need listen listen I don't need I don't need to sit at your table today God she said I can just settle for just being in proximity with the table and proximity with the crumbs that fall from the master's table I come to tell somebody in this house that you've been looking for bread that you've been looking for hope that you've been looking for provision that you've been looking for family that you've been looking for everything you're only going to find it at the king's table I wonder can somebody give God praise I wonder can somebody lift up your voice I wonder can somebody shout unto God with the voice of trial she said but even the dogs eat the bread from the master's table sometimes you just got to get an attitude in your spirit that I just got to get close enough to the things of God that I can eat the crumbs from the master's table but it doesn't stop there here but today you may came to come today for just a little bit of crumbs but there is a seat for you today I come to preach into this sanctuary that we've got a seat for you I come to preach in this sanctuary that everything you need you can find it right here in the house of God at the king's table I come to talk to somebody that you might feel like Mephibosheth and you're broken and busted and disgusted and you don't have anything to offer the king today God's given you an invitation to the king's table and he wants you to know you're going to be as one of my sons you're going to be as one of my kids you're going to sit at my table all the days of your life somebody stand with me all over this house it was the king's table that we all so desperately needed the only reason that we're all standing here today, sure, some of us have lived for God for 20 plus years. Some of us have been here for a long time. But can I tell you today that everybody's got to come to the king's table. And what we're going to do is we're going to prepare the table for anybody that's going to come. We're going to make sure. Hear me today, visitor. Hear me today, person. I'm telling you, I was driving down the road yesterday and God spoke to me and he said you know what there are people that are going to come to church tomorrow that don't even know they're going to be there 
in that moment they had no idea that they was coming to the house of God but we serve a God that knows how to draw people and invite them to the king's table and when he gets you to the king's table he doesn't want to just give you a meal one time but he's going to stretch it out and he's letting you know you're going to eat bread at my table continually all the days of your life there's going to be a meal for you all the days of your life there's going to be provision for you all the days of your life Bible says Psalm chapter 68 that he's a father to the fatherless a judge of the widows and that he sits the solitary in families can I tell you today if you you feel like Mephibosheth and you feel broken and you feel lonely and you feel all by yourself can I tell you there is a God in this room right now that wants to sit you in a family today. He wants to give you everything that you need. He wants to give you joy and peace and righteousness and everything that you need. And God is here right now. Can we lift up our hands all over this house? Here's what we're going to do for the next couple moments. God literally wants to, wants to offer somebody an invitation to the king's table. The first step is repentance. The first step is repenting of your sins. And then the Bible says that when you repent, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God living on the inside of you and speaking through you. It gives us power to to do and power to be and it gives you fuel for the journey you need the Holy Ghost today the next thing that you do is you get baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ and when you go down in that water I'm telling you when you come up you're never going to be the same do I have a witness in the house on a Sunday morning and when you're baptized all of your sins are washed away God's offering somebody in this house an invitation to the king's table. But will anybody accept that invitation today? I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to make your way to this altar. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to lift your hands. Saints of God, ministers, I want you to help me pray right now. If you need something from God, if you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance, I'm telling you, you've come to the right place today. God is in this house right now and he's able to heal. He is able to deliver. He is able to set free. Can we lift our hands right now as they begin to sing? I want you to lift up your voice and pray right now. If you need the Holy Ghost, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. If you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, today is your day. Come on, somebody press in right now. God's moving in this house. God's helping somebody in this house. God's extending an invitation to the king's table right now. Can you lift your hands? Can you lift your voice? Somebody pray right now. We love you.
Jesus. Above all names. 